shocks the nation. Well, Iowa definitely did shock the nation yesterday, but maybe not in the way that Pete Buttigieg is talking about there. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. We were just listening there to Pete Buttigieg, a candidate for president, the current mayor of South Bend, Indiana, talking about the fact that he thinks he may have won the Iowa caucuses. Of course, we don't know if that's true because the results haven't been released yet. There is an incredible delay uh, that is taking place, apparently because of problems with some of the technology that they tried to use there in Iowa yesterday. Uh, Our guest is Emily Stewart. She's a reporter with Vox, and we are talking about the ways in which technology and misinformation and disinformation are having an effect on our politics, the way that we make choices at the ballot box, but also the way we decide about those choices, the way we take in information before we get to the voting booth. We want to hear from you as well. Give us a call and tell us what you think the bungled caucuses say about the state of our democratic process right now in America. Do you fault the system in Iowa or do you see this as indicative of a deeper problem with how we elect people to office in this country? And do you think that the role of of misinformation and disinformation in the run-up to the Iowa caucuses is another thing we ought to be concerned about. As always, on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Emily, I'm going to start with you this segment. What do you think is the long-term consequence of this delay in getting results in Iowa? One of the thing, perspectives I saw this, this morning that really uh, caught my attention was this idea that uh, it hasn't really been all that long. I mean, the impatience that people are expressing right now is a little bit intolerant. I mean, there are times when it takes longer to count votes. But of course, in a a culture where we get instant information, I think we expect everything to work really quickly and almost instantaneously. Right. I mean, I'm sort of on two minds on this. You know, obviously that there has obviously been some kind of technical failure here is not good. Like they roll out this new app ahead of time. Apparently, it wasn't tested at least enough, and now there have been all these issues. It's not good. But at the same time, they seem to have some systems in place for in case there was a problem. And like what they, what the Iowa Democratic Party has said is, we want to make sure we get this right. And so in the event that there was an issue, don't we want to make sure that they are getting it right? And so, yeah, it's kind of weird to have to wait, but like... I'd rather have the right answer later than the wrong answer now because, like, I want to see what I want to like talk to my friends on Twitter or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and and you get these presumptions that the delay means the result will have less credibility, right? I mean, the the, the irony there is that the longer it takes, the less faith people may put in the results. When in fact, the delay may be about making sure that the results are accurate. Right. I mean, that's exactly sort of the point here. Like, it's understandable. And especially we have the New Hampshire primary a week away now. 
The news is moving very fast. So tonight we have the State of the Union. Tomorrow impeachment probably ends. So people's attention span is very short. And obviously, like hearing that there was a technical difficulty, even if, again, there are systems in place to make sure that the integrity of this caucus was intact, People are clearly going to have doubts, thinking like, okay, what did go wrong? And why don't you know? And it really does seem like it has been pretty, not catastrophic, but it has been like pretty surprising what Mm -hmm. has been going on and Mm -hmm. just how long this has taken and and how much of a mess it's turned into. Mm. Uh, Let's get back to the phones here. Let's go to Charlie in Detroit. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. A couple things. One, if uh, anyone thinks President Twitter's going to allow the Internet to be throttled or social media to be throttled <laughs> in any way, I doubt that'll happen because that's exactly how he won the election. Um, and uh, two, I mean, what does it come down to? Do the Democrats have to sink to the same or stoop to the same level as the Republicans and start spreading you know, crazy rumors, and lies and things on the Internet and social media to win an election? I mean, is, is truth like gone. I mean, I rely on public radio for what I hope is fair and balanced reporting, but <laughs> we're making an effort Charlie. there. You know, I, I check it out. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think you're, you're getting at this question of whether, whether there is some other outside influence that could sort of, I guess, cabin some of the, 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 the freedom to spread misinformation or whether everybody who's in this arena now just has to act according to the free-for-all rules. And I think that's a really interesting question to ask, not just of the political parties, but of, of individuals. Uh, can you win the day by spreading misinformation or disinformation? And if, if, if that's true, do you have an obligation to, to do that in order, in order to win? Uh, Charlie, I really appreciate the call and the comments. Let's go to Heather in Ferndale. Heather, what's on your mind? Yeah, hi. I mean, I think I want to just probably say ditto to much of what has already been said. I think that the reaction is a bit hyperbolic. You know, we are so we have to have everything right now. I mean, you know, there's backup. This is a perfect example why, you know, backup paper ballots are so extremely important. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's incumbent on everybody to make it clear that, you know, this is the process in the end. We'll know who won. We'll know that it's an accurate count. You know, things are messy sometimes. Nobody should lose faith in the process Mm -hmm. or, you know, like the gentleman that was just talking, you know, about, you know, spreading disinformation or conspiracy theories or, you know, well, no, by the end of today. And my other comment was that Iowa has an outsized influence on this process anyway. And if it takes a little bit of the wind out of that sails, (laughs) that's maybe a silver lining. A lot of people, by the time it gets to some of the other states, you know, there are candidates that they would have more happily voted for who are no longer viable. And yeah, Heather, that's a that's an entirely different subject uh, that that we could spend lots and lots of time talking about and i i absolutely think uh, it it is something that we should be discussing why one state has this kind of influence each cycle uh, there are lots of other ideas that have been put out there to 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 make that different uh, before we get to the next caller i want to read something that we just got from npr the iowa democratic party says it has determined quote with certainty that the underlying data collected via this app 
was sound. It says the app was recording data accurately, but, quote, it was reporting out only partial data due to a coding issue in the reporting system. So now we're starting to get a little bit more transparency in terms of what was going on there in, in Iowa. And I, and I imagine we'll start to see some some results. Uh, before we get to the next caller, Emily, what do you think the potential long-standing effect of this is maybe on, on Iowa's first-in-the-nation uh, uh, status here? I mean, if I was the Iowa Democratic Party, I might I wouldn't be too sure that we would be having the caucus first again come 2024. <laughs> there have been obviously questions about whether Iowa does have too much influence for a long time. Uh, and, and I mean, who knows, right? Like also a week from now, we've all moved on and nobody remembers enough to like remember that this was a problem until four years from now right. when it's too late to change it. But I think that given all of the criticism of Iowa, not only because it's a small state, but also the the caucus process is you know, has a lot of issues around accessibility. It's it's not private, so everybody knows who everybody's voting for. Like it has a lot of issues, and this could be sort of the straw that breaks the camel's back when when the Democratic Party takes a step back and says, okay, like maybe let's rethink the way that we are doing this. And also in 2012, someone pointed this out to me last night and I had forgotten, um, the Iowa Republicans actually made a mistake too on calculating the results. Mm. And so I think you know, the Iowa, or both, both parties in Iowa must know like this is at very least tenuous that they will continue to have the, the caucus first um, come next time. Hmm. Uh, let's get to Karen in Detroit. Karen, I've got about a minute left, but I really wanted to get you into this conversation. Go ahead. Uh, thank you for taking my call. When I first heard about the problems in Iowa, my first thought was, how was that new app launched? And so was it piloted? Was it tested? You just reported that uh, they, the, the party says that there may have been a problem with the app in terms of uh, how it was performing. But anytime you introduce a new technology, and certainly in a caucus situation, if it's a new app, what, what kind of training? How were the people advised? Was it piloted? Was it tested? Because that's a problem each and every time. So I think it, it's a lesson going forward with all the other upcoming um, uh uh, not caucuses, but but primaries. If they're using any new technology, right. test it, pilot it, make sure the end users know how to use it. Know how to do it, yeah, how Karen. To, I, those I, people may have. Some people knew how to use the technology. Some people didn't. They needed more help testing volunteers. Knowing anything new, there are going to be people who understand it. Some people don't. So you need to back up. And it's a right. volunteer organization. So maybe you don't have all the people. But that is so. Yeah, that's critical. critical. Karen, I'm, I'm running out of time, but I, I really want to thank you for, for interjecting that. Emily, th this idea of training is, is huge. And going forward, that's one of the things that I think other states will have to look at if they're using similar kinds of uh, technology. All right, Emily Stewart, reporter with Vox. It was really great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we talk with the Michigan doctor whose confrontation with Vice President Mike Pence over proposed cuts to Medicare and Medicaid went viral. He will be here with us. And Congressman Dan Kildee will join to react to President Trump's State of the Union speech. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk more tomorrow.